0: Welcome to a new episode of the 8-to-5 Multiplier, where I will go through my daily journey through financial freedom while working an 8-to-5 job and raising a family. Your host, Daniel Chang. Welcome to episode one of the 8-to-5 Multiplier. My name is Daniel Chan, and I would like to give a quick introduction about myself, where I'm coming from, and a little bit more about what I want to achieve with this podcast. Uh, I got married five years ago. Uh, My wife and I, we both work an eight to five job. Uh, They're pretty good. I think at least I will say it paid the bills and give us a little bit extra to Try to take a little bit of vacations and enjoy life by itself. We also got our first son. He is seven months by now. And it has been quite an experience just learning more about ourselves, um, trying to dedicate more time to the family. It has been just a different type of addition in our family. Before it was just my wife and myself. We used to do things just both of us and now that we have a kid, a lot of things have changed and a lot of realizations also in my life. As you may hear, I have an accent. Uh, I'm actually from Ecuador. I lived over there for 21 years and then When I was in college, I decided to do a study abroad program in the US. So that's basically how I came over here. I finished my college degree, and then I started working for quite a big company here in the US. And I've been doing that for the last five years. Um, There were a few challenges, definitely. When I came here to study abroad, it's not that it was everything uh, great and now successful, and I'm working, having a great job. Uh, Definitely there has been quite some challenges, especially when I just came to that study abroad program. Language was definitely one of the biggest barriers, trying to understand what the professors were doing. And trying to also understand the dynamics of the different classes that I was taking at the time. In Ecuador, classes are, I would say, professors guide you more. They almost handhold uh, to what they, they need to teach you. Over here, I felt that it was less of that handhold, it was more of, hey, here's the book, here are the resources, we're going to give you the basics on the class, but you have to do your your work later on. So that one was a, one of the, my biggest challenges. Uh, actually, I remember uh, my, my second term, so we had three terms uh, here. Uh, my second term, I was doing like really, really bad on some of my classes. And the funny thing is that some of those classes were in business. so I, I finished my degree in accounting and information systems. So definitely the business classes were kind of a priority from any other classes and I had to have a certain GPA in order to kind of continue with accounting program. And that's when I had my marketing class, I think I got a D, Uh, Business law, that was, like, really hard for me. There are, like, so many things, definitions involved. I think I also got a D. Uh, Then I also took, like, accounting 101 that all the business students take, and I think I got a C in that class. And me trying to get into the accounting program, the advisor told me, hey, uh, it's going to be a little bit hard for you to get into the accounting program with that lower GPA. And especially with a C in accounting. I mean, you're going to accounting and you have a C. Uh, that's that's not very that, that's not a good story to tell saying, hey, yes, I you know I'm really proud of being an accountant or anything, and then you got a C on you know a one-on-one class on accounting. So that summer uh, I basically had to repeat a lot of uh, my classes. Um, it, it was a little bit harder because as an international student the cost of college is almost three times like i'm talking about a state college is almost three times higher than like a student who lives in the state so by itself it was already very expensive Uh, My parents, they have their own business back in Ecuador. Uh, At that time, the business was okay. It wasn't like the best business. It's not that they were making money everywhere and they were millionaires or something like that. The business was able to help them pay all the bills that they need to and give their kids a good education. I went to a private school over there in Ecuador Um, it's not as expensive as going to a private school here in the U.S., but definitely it was more expensive than going to a public school. So I was lucky that they were able to afford a good education for my brothers and myself. And now they were trying to even extend themselves and pay even more for me to go to college in the U.S. So... Definitely the first year was really, really hard for them. Uh, I think the cost of tuition, uh, because I told them, hey, I'm living over here. I'm going to try to pay my cost of living. Just help me with tuition. So I was working on campus, um, just on a restaurant, trying to pay my rent, uh, my other bills, food, and all of that. And my parents were helping me with tuition. I think the first year of tuition was, I think over $35,000. So definitely you can't even buy a car with that. Yeah, it was was a little bit too much for them uh, compared to kind of like a regular tuition. Uh, in Ecuador, uh, one of the best uh, colleges, actually university uh, over there, I think the tuition at that time was $5,000 a year. So... Imagine compare of paying $5,000 a year versus $35,000 is not easy. So definitely my parents uh, took a big commitment over there. They really believe that good education is uh, very essential, probably not the key to be successful. It takes more than just education, but you learn a lot. It's not just about, hey, accounting classes. You learn how to learn you learn yourself you know what you're good at you're not you know what you're not good at so definitely that was something that was a struggle knowing that my parents are paying all this tuition and I'm knowing I'm not doing good in my classes I'm basically just trying to pass my classes with the bare minimum but not taking an extra effort to actually learn and be better So that's why that summer I decided to repeat all my classes that I got these, which were quite a few. I think it was three or four. I repeat that accounting class. I got a C and then finally got an A. And I was able to go into the accounting program. And I really enjoyed the accounting program. I mean, I know there's a lot of people saying accounting is boring or just think about numbers and then tax season and everything. Yeah, that's... I think accounting yeah by itself it could be boring but the theory behind uh, I like to solve problems according to what is written down. So what I like from accounting is that you have your set of rules, and from there you try to solve an issue that's a company money issue. They receive money, they spend money, but do you want you want to make sure that they're making profit, right? Uh, that's that's the deal of any business. It's not about hey, we're gonna be investing all this money and we're gonna give things for free to everyone, and at the end they're gonna go bankrupt, and many people are gonna be affected, from the shareholders to the employees because now they're gonna be laid off. So that's why, I kind of, when I know a little bit sides on accounting, <laughs> I can dedicate an entire episode just to talk about accounting. But the the root over there is that. I was facing these challenges on an early age that helped me mature and realized uh, a little bit more what I want to do with my life. I thought when I graduated from high school that, hey, I wanted to have my own business and everything. Well, unless you're an extraordinary person, we hear cases of people who are dropouts from school or never went to college and now they're millionaires. Well, if you count how many billions of people we have on Earth and how many people actually made it is a very small percentage. So I don't consider myself being in that small percentage. So I say, well, I have to probably work harder than these people. And I have to figure out a way that I could have different plans. And I guess as anyone else, you know, you want to work hard. And then you don't want to let your family um, down and my parents down at the time. Now that I'm married and I have a job, I still care about my parents. and I will go a little bit more into that situation, but my family goes first because those are the ones who depend on my actions and my goals. That's why I have to talk with my wife. Hey, what do we want to achieve in life? Uh, to make sure that we are in alignment with the same goals. But aside from goals and working hard, I keep asking myself, what's the reason? What's, what's the root of why I am doing all these things? Um, it will be easier for me to say, okay, I'm going to go to work, do my stuff, come back home, watch TV, Netflix, chill out, then comes to the weekend, just go out maybe go travel from one place to another, you know, that would be the nice way. But I think at least from the goals that I want to have, I still want, want to, you know, do some fun activities. We go out on the weekends from time to time. But there are occasions where we know that there are things that are more important that will be better if I dedicate that right now and maybe i take that vacation in 6 months from now because i know that what i'm going to be doing right now is going to help me to take that vacation in 6 months so i keep asking myself why i would say that the easiest response to that question is because i want to have money or i want to be free and don't worry about work anymore i think that's most likely the ultimate kind of goal but I think that the intrinsic why is that I have to make a choice uh, between my family and my parents. So I haven't gone too deep into my parents' situation. Uh, I've been kind of avoiding. It's, it's hard for me to share that story or, or how to tell, put in words. So I already told you my parents were supporting me in college, but... After the first year, they don't just run out of money, they start taking credit card debt in order to pay for my tuition. And that's when I realized hey, I don't think that will be a good idea because taking debt to pay tuition, <laughs> I don't think that should work that way because there's no return there unless I go to work and pay them off somehow but I'm not gonna be working See, if I started college. I still have to graduate, wait for five years or so, and then hopefully find a good job and try to pay. But then at that time I may have a family, like right now, and that's when I have to figure out. So when I was in college, my parents helped me pay for my first two years of college, and I was able to finance the last three years, either with scholarships, Uh, working internships, working outside, doing side businesses. I was able to cover the last three years of my college tuition. But my parents still had that debt. And at that time, the economy was not doing well. Uh, When I started college was 2009. So as many of you could remember that's not a really good economical situation even in the U.S. or in Ecuador over there we also felt a lot of that uh, low turn on the economy their uh, business didn't went well they have to close it and then they basically were I think like almost like eight months without working because they couldn't open another business. There was no option or availability there. And they were basically living with their savings. And I talked to them and told them, hey, you cannot do that. You have to open a business, open whatever thing, do anything that creates an income. You cannot just try to support an entire family with just your savings. But I could not do much. I mean, their decision is their decision they got more into credit cards debt because their savings were emptying until they were able to, again, open another business. Uh, Right now, how everything is working is that the business that they have can sustain itself to pay all its bills and also my parents' cost of living that is very, very basic, which is just paying my brother's uh, college because now he's in college but just in Ecuador and he's in a cheaper college than when I was attending there because they cannot even afford the expensive one and just pay the regular bills the day to day like cell phone bills, water bills uh, electricity bills all those type of things health insurance because they're uh, self uh, employees so they have to also pay the full health insurance as over here. So after paying all those things, they still have their credit card debt, which is really hard for them to pay every month because everything else that the business is doing is going on its own expenses. So basically right now they're in that point of no return where you cannot make enough to pay your debt, but if you get delayed, you know, you start having like more fees and everything. So it's better to get more debt in order to pay the debt. So that's the worst situation you could ever have. And the only way to break that situation is to figure out how to pay everything else. And at their stage, it's a little bit harder. They're in their 60s and they've been working their entire life and everything. It's hard for them. They've been trying to start other businesses, something on the side, nothing have worked. Right now, the economy in Ecuador has been tanked again. There's a lot of unemployment, not many things. Like January, my, my mom just called me yesterday and she told me, hey, she was looking at the entire January and it's actually the worst month in the last 10 years that they had the business. Like that, that bad, that basically they cannot even pay their expenses, worse their credit cards, where they still have this debt. Because the only thing I can pay is the minimum balance, which covers the interest. So their principal will never go down, and they're always going to have that debt. So, of course, they, they want my help to see if I can send them some money. They also ask my other brother that's working to see if he can also send a few hundred dollars so he can help with their credit cards. And that's the tough situation that I have to live uh, every month, when my parents call me and they ask me for money, and I know that from their side it's not the nice thing to do because it's like, well, even if it's your parents or anyone, it's really hard to you know call someone else, a relative, and ask for money every single month. And I understand their situation, and that's where I have to choose. It's like, well, I can give them a few hundred dollars every month, but What could I also do with that $100, $200? Actually, I'm sending a little bit more than that every month. Now that I have a family and I have to take care of my son, I also have to provide for my family. What if tomorrow we need our savings back? For whatever reason, hope nothing happens, we need some money. Well, I cannot go back to my parents and tell them, hey, remember all these two years that I've been giving you every month? Can you pay me back? Well, they still have so much debt that they don't have all that money. They are using that to pay all that debt. So that's when it gets really hard. And I'm afraid that this will just drag down. What happens if later on my parents get sick and they have like a $50,000 bill? Right now, they cannot use their credit cards because all of their credit cards are are maxed out and they're frozen because they have so much debt. So it's not that they can say, well, at least they can take a credit card or something. They cannot take loans because they already know that they can hardly pay those things. So who's going to be the one who have to pay for that bill is going to be my brother and myself. And it's not that we make so much money and something like that will impact our family's financial. So I think that's when I was thinking why I'm trying to do this, why I'm trying to be better, why I want to have a a side business, why I'm dedicating time to, you know, just record this podcast and see what happens. So that's when I realized I need to take action and do something about it. I cannot just let the flow go and see what happens tomorrow. And one of the biggest barriers that I have, and every person's situation is different, so I don't think it's an excuse, but definitely it's a huge barrier that probably a lot of people have, is that I have an 8 to 5 job. So basically, they pay me by salary, which means it doesn't matter if I work more hours or less hours. Basically, I just have to make sure that the work is complete and it's done. We're doing what it needs to be done, and that's completed, and that's the end of the day. They give me my paycheck. And then if I'm really good and I try my best, the next year they're gonna give me a bonus and I'm gonna receive a raise. Well, that bonus and that raise probably is gonna be like five to ten percent on a good year's. Now, if it's not a good year, who knows? Probably it's gonna be like one to three percent. Now, let's say that's a few thousand dollars every year. if I divided that for an entire year it's probably gonna be like I don't know like three hundred dollars a month plus of course I I get I have to pay the taxes so maybe it's a little bit less than that so that's when I said hmm I'm very limited on how much I receive every month from my paycheck and I live in Portland so Portland has been growing a lot, probably not as much as other markets like the Bay Area or Seattle, but definitely the cost of living has gone up in the last five years, including rent, housing, even parking. I remember when I just started working five years ago, uh, a day of parking close to the office was $8.50 per day. It was a lot by that time. I was like, I was thinking, wow, that's the cheapest thing I can find. It was like three blocks away. It's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna do it because I need to save the money. Nowadays, that parking lot it costs like thirteen dollars a day. In just five years, they they've gone up so much. And of course, um, when they look at my salary and everything, they don't look at cost of living of how much it costs you to rent or how much it costs you to park your car in downtown, they basically look at, hey, how much other companies pay their employees in this similar position. So even though the cost of living, meaning rent, parking, housing, has gone up in Portland, many companies around the area have not catch up with that same increasing percentage when they're paying their employees. So you know, over there, you're already losing money from your paycheck because now you have to pay more for parking. Now your rent goes up or the taxes goes up, right? So that's when I realized, hey, there's not much that I can do from my current scenario. I have to I have to get out from the bubble, the current location that I'm uh, right now. And that's when I, I had this kind of, moment where I can simplify it in two routes. We know that we have limited resources in everything. That's basically how the economy works. That's how the entire world works. Uh, you buy, for example, I don't know, like an iPhone. Well, the cost of the iPhone is relative to how much demand and how many of the iPhones get produced, right? Because at the end of the day, they cannot produce unlimited quantities. There's always limited resources to everything. We also have limited resources. To the extent of what I was looking, I have two limited resources. The first one is my time, and the second one is my money. So how can I increase those limited resources? Because they're still gonna be limited but I can increase them on its, its limitations. So let's say let let's talk about numbers. So let's say, for example, my money is $10. I'm limited to $10. How can I increase that to $15? Still $15, still a limited resource, but it's better than having 10. So that's when I realized, well, I don't think I can increase my time. We all have 24 hours. The only thing that I can do to increase my time is not adding more hours to the day. I cannot do that. We have 24 hours and that's it. But I could try to shift some of my downtime to be more productive. So one of the things that I stopped doing it for the last five years is cable. I only pay for internet. I don't have any type of cable. I don't have any subscriptions. I don't watch Netflix. I will say that the only subscription that I have is Amazon Prime videos, just because I have Prime membership. So from time to time, it's not that I give up on watching movies or anything. I will say probably once in a while I go to the movies with my wife, and that's more our date night type of scenario, more than, hey, we're going to go and watch a movie. And from time to time on the weekends and night times, also to have like some Uh, date night in our home we watch a movie but it's not that hey I pay for cable subscription or anything besides I'm saving a lot of money on cable I think like a very basic plan that you can find probably it's gonna cost you like 40 dollars per month so I'm not just saving money there I'm saving also my time what I'm doing with that time well I'm doing like right now just talking to you guys creating this podcast and why I created this podcast is because I wanted to Put my ideas out there. Sometimes when you talk about something out loud, that's when you realize things rather than just thinking about yourself in your own mind. So I said, okay, well, this is how I can increase time. Still, I have to work my eight to five job, so it's not that I can take time out of there. So still, it's very limited, but I was able to increase a few hours per day just trying to be more productive. The second one is money. As I told you, we have a salary. So it's really hard to increase a salary. If you were to be, for example, in sales, where you may also have a salary, but you also have a commission-based type of bonus or salary or payments, that will be a little bit easier in that sense where you're saying, okay, well, if I dedicate my time to go and look for one or two additional prospects, uh, I could potentially make more money. Uh, but every every person's situation is different. I'm not in sales. I have a salary, so it doesn't matter if I put one or more or two hours more into my job because it's not going to pay me the amount of money that I'm putting back into those hours. So I have to look for something outside. And when I'm looking for something outside, that's why I say, okay, well, I have to start my own side business. So I was a little bit lucky that my cousin-in-law, he have his own business where he sells products in eBay, Amazon, and a few other platforms. So I started talking with him a little bit more through uh, his journey uh, as he developed that business for several years now and learned from there, and now he's uh, doing pretty well. So, yeah, I asked him like a few questions uh, how it is to be in that type of business, what it is to be selling in Amazon, etc. But um, I said, okay, well, I. I'm not the only one person who probably thought about selling things on Amazon. So I'm going to check online and see what I can find. And one of the things that I realized really fast is that, okay, well, think about selling Amazon. Well, what i am going to be selling on Amazon? There's like so many other products out there. And then I have to invest on in a product. I have no idea how much money. I don't want to take my money out. And then I keep doing more research and I have to bring things from China and I have to deal with people over there, make sure they have the correct product, and then trying to ship things over here, more costs, more money. And then I have to storage it, maybe on my garage, and then send it to Amazon. Uh, When I try to keep researching, I found that there's a lot of people online Trying to give you a webinar or a book or a course where they teach you how to sell things in Amazon for thousands of dollars, and that's when I said, Well, I'm sure there's going to be free resources there. So I keep researching, and I remember I found this uh, place called Jungle Scout, and I don't know. If they still have it, I haven't checked it. But when I started in, I think it was probably July, August, 2017, uh, they had a case called the Million Dollar Case, where they went step by step from the identification of a product that they're planning to sell to basically communicating with the supplier in China, how to ship things over here to the US, how to send those things to Amazon, how to build a listing Amazon, and how to basically start selling there. And all of that was for free. They had over there basically this study case where they have several videos explaining you how they are doing things. They have pictures, they have explanations. I thought it was like the best kind of initial tutorial to start selling especially if I didn't know what I'm going to sell. So I started doing my research, and I realized that, hey, this is going to also take money in consideration. And I said, okay, well, it's going to be an investment. You have to do an investment anywhere you're going. Either if you're going back to school and learn something new, or you're going to take a certification, you're you're basically going to have to pay someone to teach you something that you don't know. So we went through all of that process and I found a product that it seems that it could sell. Uh, I won't say like probably the best seller product in Amazon, but something that can consist of consistently be selling. So I communicated with the supplier in China and they give me a sample. We really liked that sample. We thought it was gonna be good. And then we said, okay, let's have like a minimum order. And they were asking me for 5,000 of those products. It's like, okay, there's no way I'm gonna do 5,000. First of all, it's way too much. And second, it's gonna cost me a lot. So I was able to talk to them and they were able to lower it down to 2,000 products. So I said, okay, I'm gonna do the 2,000. And then I use a website there to calculate the shipping do everything for me. And then at the end, I think it was between six to $7,000. That was the cost of the product, the shipping, and the customs when it arrives to the U.S. So from all of that, I said, well, I don't want to take $7,000 out of my savings. And that's when I remember one of the books from Robert Kiyosaki where he always explains the notion of use the money of others, right? So that's when I was thinking, okay, definitely, I, I don't think I can go to a bank and tell them, hey, this is my idea. I'm planning to bring those items from China and sell it in Amazon. I'm going to become a millionaire. Give me $7,000. So I don't think that's going to kind of help. and I don't think they're going to give me the money. So I was kind of thinking about it, doing some research, and that's when I kind of like this idea come into place where I was thinking, well, credit cards are giving right now offers where it's 0% interest for amount of time. And basically you can uh, use the credit card as as a loan sort of thing without paying interest. So we found in Chase Bank, uh, they had one of the credit cards with 0% interest for 18 months. So I was saying, well, 18 months is is quite a time. So I hope I'm able to at least break even and able to pay that credit card on those 18 months of trying to sell something on Amazon. So we went ahead, we applied for the credit card. I think I've got a credit of a little bit over $7,000. So we basically used almost the entire credit card just to do the purchase of the product and pay all the additional fees from shipping and the customs. And It wasn't just like that, of course. My product was custom made, so it took an entire month. So we placed the order on October and it took until November when all that product was ready. So it's like, okay, I already paid for a month and now I'm waiting for the product. And then they sent me the pictures when the product was ready. I was like so excited, like finally that product is, is ready. I'm going to be able to start selling. I need to start paying the credit card. And they say, okay, well, we're going to ship it. And that's going to take another month, almost. I think it took like almost 20 something days. Uh, and I said, okay, well, I mean, there's nothing else I can do. I could pay way more, like almost like $5,000 more. And it will go through air and it will arrive here within a few days. But it's like, well, I don't think that's worth $5,000 more. So it's just going to go on a boat over there for 20 days. So if I'm correct, I think the entire product came from a truck and arrived to my garage on December 4th. And I felt almost like Christmas. (laughs) It was like 50 or something boxes getting out from that truck. And well, the only place that I had a space was on my garage. So I had to take one of the cars out and basically just fill it out with boxes. And it was so exciting. I was just carrying those boxes up and out, trying to reorganize them. And then it's like, well, I have to still sell those things. So I sent two boxes to Amazon. I didn't want to send everything because I wanted to see how it works. Now, because we were on the peak of the holidays, uh, Amazon have usually a deadline where they're saying, hey, they can guarantee that your product is gonna be available for customers during the holidays if you send those products by sometime in November. Sometimes it's like a little bit early on December, I believe. Now, my product arrived on the 4th, but until it arrives to Amazon's warehouse, was a week and because they were so busy definitely I already missed that deadline so they couldn't have my products for Christmas time and I was fine with that I said hey I'm right now learning I mean if I think about it on July August when I was just doing all this research and now in December I actually have the product on my hands that product that it took me quite a few months to try to design it and basically do everything from scratch. Now I have it in my hands. So most of the things i already done is just putting it in on Amazon and try to sell it from there. So I took all of those things and sent it to Amazon. And they weren't available until the 26th. Then on the 26th, that's when Amazon sent me an email saying, hey, we receive your products and we're going to be sorting those out and they will be available soon. So I remember that day I got out from bed so early just to look for the Amazon Seller Central to look at my product and then I was, I keep refreshing, refreshing, refreshing to see when it's going to be available. Well, it was not available until the next day on the 27th. And that's when I saw uh, my listing of my product finally available. Basically, anyone could go over there and buy my product. I was, uh, I remember I was so excited that day. I felt almost like, I don't know, like we were on Christmas time and everything. I felt it was like almost like a Christmas day. I was just waiting over there, refreshing the page. When I'm going to have my first sale? When I'm going to have my first sale? Well, that first sale didn't come that day. (laughs) Of course, my product was new, no one knows about it. So that's when I was thinking, hmm. I need to tell the world about my product. So in the meantime, while I was uh, waiting for those two months for my product to arrive, I started building an Instagram page just to keep track on what I was doing and keep some people interested if they like my product. So I posted on Instagram saying, hey, finally the day have come. My product is available on Amazon. Go and buy it. So that day, I think I got like two sales. And I remember I went over there and I was just refreshing, refreshing, refreshing the page. And then I saw one sale. And then Amazon tells you like how much you made on that sale. It's like, wow, I made like $4 on that sale. It's like, wow, that's like the best thing ever. I have like now $4. And then there's like another sale. Now I have like $8. And then it keep going. So I had like until the end of the month or basically the year, 1231, I think I sold about like five of my products. So that was like one of the best things ever. It's like, wow, finally I I, I started, I, I researched all these things. Um, we had a few complications in and out, trying to figure out later on the money. I was able to get the credit card and now I have my first sales. That was like, Wow. I think I was able to make it. I mean, it's not like, you know, a millionaire or anything, but sales are happening. I'm making money there. So Amazon pays everyone every two weeks, being 1231 the last day that they're going to be paying for the year. So on 1231, Amazon sent me an email saying, hey, it has been two weeks here's how much you make in those two weeks, which actually for me was starting on 12, uh, 12.27. And they basically told me you didn't make any money. I was like, what, are you kidding me? How, how come I didn't make any money? I, I saw I sold five of my items and I was making about $4 each. So where is, you know, where's my money? Where, where's the stuff? And then when I was researching further uh, outside from all the fees that I have to pay to Amazon, uh, there was also something what they call it a reserve amount. Uh, They don't disclose if it's a percentage or how they calculate. I feel it's almost like a random number where they say, hey, we know that these customers have placed an order And to make sure that everything goes well because we care about the customer, we're going to reserve or keep on hold for another two weeks an X amount of your sales. Well, because I only have five, basically end up being almost everything. And from that amount, basically Amazon says, hey, if anyone returns the product or anything, we'll use that money to basically return them back. So it's like, okay, well, I guess that, that kind of sort of makes sense from their business model. So definitely, I didn't have anything for that first uh, couple of days of my sales. But yeah, then January came from 2018. uh, Two weeks passed to go on. I have a few other sales. January is usually a very slow month. I mean, everyone spends a lot in the holidays, so they're more budget conscious and what they're buying during January. So I didn't have many sales, but hey, on January, e- uh, an email from Amazon comes again. So I was like expecting and waiting on everything. And they told me, hey, in these two weeks, you made $40.20. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, I made like $40. And some of you may say, well, what am I going to do with $40? $40 is nothing. I can just buy like a meal with that and that's it. Yeah, but if you remember about like my goals and everything, I want to support my family, but I have a limited amount of money and I don't want to use that money to help my parents because that money is used to achieve my family goals and I don't want to be in a stress position where now I'm compromising my family for my parents. But now I could say, hey, I have $40 that I could send to my parents to help them without compromising my family goals and that was it that was the the time when I realized hey this is actually working I know it took a lot of time almost like five months until I was able to make $40 but hey if I haven't started I will probably haven't made those $40 and I haven't even knew how to sell things in Amazon or more importantly, how to dedicate time on things that are more resourceful and helpful for my family. Now I have an extra income. I think depending on the months, I make a few hundred to a thousand uh, every month on just this side business. And mostly Amazon take care of most of the inventory. I just have to send them packages every so often when the inventory is low. But basically they take care about everything. And that's the greatest things that I like it and what I have learned so far in this year and two months so far since I started selling my first product in Amazon. And that's what I wanted to share in this podcast and the different episodes that I'm going to be doing every day, that everything is a journey. And if we don't get started, we will never achieve those goals, you could be saying, hey, I'm going to start tomorrow, tomorrow, and that tomorrow may never come. And then you realize, hey, it has been 10 or 20 years since you you thought about starting something and you never did it. So definitely get started. Of course, don't jump everything in and just put all the money on everything. Do your research, figure it out what you are good at, and start from there. What I realized I'm good at is solving problems, doing research, figuring out how things work. And that's what has worked for me with my Amazon business. I was able to do that research and figure out how things got sold over there. And then after that, I started realizing I'm doing more calculations of, okay, I'm making money. I make this $40, but I still have to pay for advertisement. I have to pay for that credit card. So, is it real? Those forty dollars to be a profit, or am I losing money, or I am making at least one dollar profit, right? And at the end of the day, it's not about hey, I want to be a millionaire next day. At the end of the day, it's like hey, if I have one dollar profit after paying out everything, I know that that dollar I can send to my parents and it will help them a lot. It will be the, it will be one dollar more that they could use to pay their credit card debts. And that's that's the big goal of what I try to accomplish with this podcast, trying to figure it out, all the things that I'm doing on the side, see what works, and sometimes not. There are a lot of things that I've tried. Sometimes I pay some Facebook advertisements. Uh, I spend like $100, $200, and I hardly get any traction. So it's like, okay, well, now I know at least one thing that I'm not good at, or I know the one thing that is not working right now. Let's try the next different thing. But if I haven't tried it and I haven't done it, I could probably be right now of saying, well, I want to make more money, but I still don't know what to do. So get started. I hope you like and enjoy this first episode. There will be more to come and see you next day. Thanks for listening to another episode of the 8 to 5 Multiplier, where I will go through my daily journey to financial freedom while working an 8 to 5 job and raising a family. We'll see you tomorrow.